Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to church. Thank you for coming inside on such a beautiful day. We don't take that for granted. And to those of you that are watching online from a campsite or your backyard, we're glad that you're with us as well. My name is Grant. Welcome to church. And I'd like to give you just some brief points of information as we get ready to head into the rest of the summer. All of the information I'm going to share with you is available at info.ctk.church. Or if you're in the room, you can scan the QR code on the seat in front of you. If you don't know how to scan a QR code, Ask a seven-year-old and they will teach you. It'll happen really, really quick, okay? A couple of things that you need to know about as we get started. First of all, we're going to be baptizing outside at Lake Padden on the 23rd of July. If you want to be baptized and go public in your profession of faith with Jesus, we'd love to facilitate that. Next weekend, we'll be having classes after all of the morning services. If you can't make one of those classes, we're going to ask you to join us on Tuesday, July the 18th at 6 p.m. for an online class. Don't be intimidated by the word baptism class. It's just an opportunity for us to get to know your name and your story. It's as simple as that. We'd love to have you join us for that. Then, if anything we've talked about so far in the Dear God series wants to press you deeper into a very vital prayer life. We've got a class for you that's going to be starting on Monday, July the 31st. It's called Going Deeper with Prayer. That's pretty simple, right? And so if you'd like to go deeper in prayer, that's your opportunity. As well, I want to give you another opportunity, and that's to serve the kids of Christ the King Community Church. So as I grew up as a kid, there were people who made a deep impact on my life. Paul Lowen, a camp counselor that I met when I was 12, will never know the impact he made on my life at camp that year. Then there was David Boys. As I grew up a little bit more, David was formative in my faith journey. And then a guy by the name of Franklin McDowell taught my middle school boys Sunday school class. You got to ask yourself a question. What's a 75-year-old guy doing volunteering to hang out with middle school boys and teach them about Jesus? Like, that's a scary proposition, right? Franklin was faithful. He showed up every week with his Bible in his hand, and I will never forget the impact that Franklin made. You can have the same kind of impact on kids this summer, and here's how it works. We've got this amazing core of volunteers that serve week after week after week after week. During the summer, we try to give them a couple weeks off so they can take a breath. I'm looking for 60 adults from Christ the King Bellingham to step up and serve just two or three weeks this summer in order to give those faithful volunteers a break. Simple as that. So if you're interested at all in serving kids this summer, here's what you're going to do. You're going to text the word SERVE to 360-800-4173. It's up on the screen so you can see it. If you'd like to help with kids again, 360-800-4173. If you want to talk to a real person about this opportunity, they will be available in the comments to your left as you're leaving today. So thank you so much for stepping up and serving. It really, really makes a difference. We've come to that point in our service where we're going to give back to God our tithes and our offerings. If you're visiting with us this weekend, we don't want anything from you at all. Thank you for giving us an hour of your week. I hope you'll come back and see us again really soon. This is an opportunity for the people of Christ the King to say, I understand that I'm a steward of what God has given me, and I want to give back. I want to give it joyfully. I want to give it generously. And your generosity helps us do ministry all summer long. I don't know if you know this or not, but crisis in ministry doesn't go down during the summertime tends to ramp up. And so we need your help, and I'm just so grateful to each one of you for your faithful generosity over the years. We're so glad that you're here. You can give anytime at give.ctk.church, and if you're in the room, you can utilize the offering boxes as you're leaving today. Thank you again for your generosity. 
Well, today I want to introduce uh, the newest member of our CTK Network family. So normally I'm teaching on a Sunday morning. This weekend I actually get to just take a breath, and I'm so glad to hand the reins to a person that I know you're going to become very, very familiar with, and hopefully you'll really, really appreciate. So I'm going to ask Carrie if she'll come and join me right now. Carrie was very instrumental in the planting of our CTK downtown campus, and now she's taken on a bigger role as our network prayer pastor. And Carrie has a love for Jesus and a love for prayer. And I have the honor of being able to pray over her today as we get ready. But um, before we do that, CTK Bellingham, would you welcome Carrie to the stage? It's her first time teaching with us. I'm so glad for that. It just seems to make sense, right? If you're doing a series on prayer, your prayer pastor probably has a few things that she'd like to say about that. So let's pray together right now and bless Carrie as she comes to open the word to us. Father God, thank you for my sister. God, thank you that you have anointed her for this moment. God, thank you that you gave her this message. Lord, I've already heard it and been blessed. So Lord, I pray that you would anoint every word as she challenges us to pray that simple prayer. Here am I. Send me. Use her today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Before Carrie speaks to us, let's take a moment, look at the screens, and just get our heads and our hearts ready to hear the word of God. Let's watch this together. In our conversations with God, the first few words come easy. But where do we go from there? What could help prayer feel fresh, authentic, honest, fulfilling? What if the inspiration we need has been here for us all along? that the 1115 service is a little bit more rowdy than the 930. So I'm expecting you guys to bring that today. You got it? Awesome. Love it. So welcome to you all who are joining us in person. For those online, we are so glad that you're with us as well. Just a few little things about me. I grew up in Skagit County and have attended CTK for seven years, as Grant mentioned, on staff at the downtown campus for six of those years. I am a big fan of my friends and my family, especially my two nephews who are 13 and five. I consider myself a lazy gardener. Anyone else relate? <laughs> and if I could live in England for three months out of the year, I would take that chance in a heartbeat. So as Grant shared, I have recently taken on the role as the CTK Network Prayer Pastor, and it is such a privilege and an honor to be speaking today on this, in this series. And some people have asked me, what do you do as the prayer pastor? In case you're wondering, no, I don't sit in my office and pray all day, although I have nothing against that. But I do have the opportunity to build on and create a strong prayer culture within all six CTK campuses. It's truly an honor. 
As you might imagine, I am really passionate about prayer. But here's the thing. I am even more passionate about God. Prayer is just the access point that we have to him. So we're in the second week of Dear God, where we are exploring a number of prayers in the Bible, learning how we can better communicate with God. And last week, Pastor Grant kicked us off with the Lord's Prayer. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and have a listen. And today we're going to be jumping into Isaiah, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite books of the Bible. Before we go there, though, let me ask you some questions. Have you ever received a text message or a voicemail that you didn't respond to? <laughs> or maybe you took a few days to respond. Okay, True Confessions is a safe space here. Have you ever completely deleted a message or a voicemail from someone without responding at all? It's okay. It's okay. Yep, you're in good company. We're in the right place. It happens, right? And note that I didn't even mention email because nobody responds to email these days. But most of the time, what gets sent just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Or we deem it as unimportant and we forget. We're scrolling through texts and we realize, oh, we never got back to that person. But sometimes we just don't know how to respond. Maybe we're actually a little bit scared about what the message means. So we ignore it and we hope it goes away. Some time passes and you see the person in the hallway that sent the message and you're like, I'm sorry, I did not respond to your message. Things get a little bit awkward for a minute and then you just kind of try to move on. I've done it. It's been done to me. And sometimes the messages that get sent aren't received. And sometimes they are because they're significant because they are important. So this is the theme of today's sermon. Sometimes we hear and we respond to what God has for us, who we can assume only relays important messages, and sometimes we just don't respond. We are diving into a passage that might be familiar to you, where God clearly delivers a message to the prophet Isaiah, and Isaiah has a choice to respond to the message, to ignore it, or just reject it entirely. So we're going to turn to Isaiah 6 here in a minute, but first, who is Isaiah? Isaiah was a prophet to Israel between 739 and 681 BC. That was a long time ago. His name means Yahweh is salvation, which was significant. In case you're wondering, a prophet is someone who speaks on God's behalf, having been inspired by God. So a prophet is a spokesperson for God. They spoke in God's name by his authority. Simply put, prophets relayed messages from God to a person or to a group of individuals. The Bible is full of prophets that God shared messages with. We see in Samuel, Samuel who called the people and kings of Israel back to humility. 
Elijah who tried to call the Israelites back from worshiping false gods and idols to worship of the one true God. Jonah had a message of warning for the Ninevites. We just learned a lot about him. Anna and John the Baptist spoke of Jesus as the coming Messiah. And of course, Jesus himself, he was a prophet unlike any other who brought a message of salvation through himself. Especially in the Old Testament, a prophet had the role of holding people accountable to the God of Israel. And the book of Isaiah is just full of truly sobering accounts of Israel's sin and rebellion and Isaiah's messages of warning and coming judgment. But there is a lot of hope that Jesus, the Messiah, would come and establish God's kingdom on earth and create a new Jerusalem. And for generations, Isaiah's words encouraged thousands of people who waited in anticipation for the Messiah and for God to set right all that had been wrong. So you might be asking, why does all of this matter? Because in order to understand the passage that we're reading today, we need to see the context the scripture is being pulled from. So it's with all of this in mind, Isaiah being a prophet to Israel to receive and share God's messages, that Isaiah gets a special commission from God, a prophetic vision with a message to share with the people of Israel. Again, he's bringing warning as well as hope. And today, we are narrowing in on what happens right before Isaiah shares this message. It's a very important part of the story when Isaiah sees God in all of his glory. It's very powerful. It's a stunning image and a very real experience for Isaiah. This is a significant moment in Isaiah's life. This prophet who was greatly used by God, he has this encounter with the Lord that makes him ready and prepared to do God's will. So think burning bush, God, Moses, holy ground, awe, wonder, and a, I think a little bit of a shake in your boots kind of encounter. So this is a moment when Isaiah received a message and he had a choice to make. So let's read from Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Okay, so we're going to hit pause just real quick in this section and do a quick review because the symbolism and the power in this vision is incredible. First, it's important that King Uzziah is mentioned because he started out as a really great king. He was listening, he was obeying God, but things went downhill when he stopped listening. So Isaiah is given this vision by God because Israel and the, and the king had stopped listening. 
We're going to hit pause on that right now, more on that later. Isaiah sees a God so holy that his train, like a bride on her wedding day, fills the entire room. That is a big train, my friends. And he's being attended to and adorned, and it meant I am important enough that I don't have to work. I am a person of honor and dignity. Others serve me and wait upon me. Then Isaiah sees the seraphim, which means burning ones. So think really powerful angels who appeared to Isaiah on fire. <laughs> so they're on fire, but they're not consumed by the fire. I can't imagine what this sight must have been. And they are calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So saying holy three times was a reference to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And in Hebrew literature, intensity is communicated by repetition. So this is an all-caps, epically holy God with about ten exclamation points. And they're worshiping so powerfully that the doorposts were shaken. Can you imagine what would happen if that happened in this room, that we sang so powerfully that the walls started shaking? And the smoke is a sign of the Lord's glorious presence. So Isaiah does what we would all likely do in this scenario. He goes on to say, woe is me. <laughs> I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Isn't that just a stunning piece of scripture? It's beautiful. So we see that Isaiah is very aware that he is sinful and the people that he is serving are sinful too. But he has his sin removed by this burning coal that touches his lips, a coal so hot that even a burning angel couldn't touch it. And this is a moment of redemption and forgiveness for Isaiah. It is encounter with the living God. And the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, knowing Isaiah's heart and his response to God's holiness, ask if Isaiah is willing to be sent and to do what is needed. Isaiah quickly and enthusiastically responds, Yes, I am willing. I will go. Here am I. Send me. So I know it's easy to read a story like this and think, wow, <laughs> Isaiah, you are quite a guy. That must have really been something. Or maybe you're thinking, cool story, but what's the point? Aren't we talking about prayer today? I'm not sure I heard a prayer in there, and I don't really know what this means for my life. So in this series, our hope is to unpack some of the prayers in the Bible giving you not only examples of prayer, but to encourage you in your journey in communicating with God. And maybe, maybe we will leave you with a few tools for your toolbox 
for your prayer practice. Maybe even one or two that are completely new to you. In fact, maybe you have never even considered what we were about to talk about as prayer. And based on what we just read in Isaiah 6, I want to reflect on three observations, three highlights I found to be very helpful and powerful from this conversation between God and Isaiah. These are three ways that I see Isaiah and God interact in this text. So the first thing is that Isaiah had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message that God had for him. You know, so often when we think of prayer or we go to God in prayer, we think it's pretty much a way to take our needs, our wants, our requests, and essentially hand them over and kind of go on with our day. So prayer becomes all about asking for things, which is right and it's good and it's needed. And if you remember from the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us our daily bread. That is an invitation from the Lord. We can ask him for things. But just imagine for a minute if this happened in your earthly relationships. Say you're meeting somebody for coffee. You've gotten there early. They come in. They sit down across for you. And for about 10 minutes, they give you a list of all the things that they need from you. They look up. They say, amen. And then they leave. It sounds really crazy, right? You probably would not have that friend for very long. But here's the thing. We do this with God. We take our requests and we peace out. It's a good thing our God is very patient. So what if the invitation to prayer is to let him talk first? To let him have the first word. We often think it's up to us to take the first step towards God, but what if God is always the one to take the first step towards us? What if he is waiting for us to stop, to listen, to commune, and to just simply be with him? Isaiah first had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and to hear the message and we see this in a few short words when he says, I saw the Lord. He had to be aware. He was paying attention. And his spirit was oriented towards God. We don't know at what time of day Isaiah received this vision, but we know that he wasn't distracted. Now, kind of like those texts and those voicemails we get, sometimes we're just preoccupied, right? We're caught up in our daily to-dos and our life circumstances. But what if God wants to give you visions and messages like he gave Isaiah, and you're just too distracted to get them? And now I know I would be the first one to say, I can so easily fall into this. One of the ways that the Lord has really encouraged me in my relationship with him is to pay attention throughout my day when I'm at the grocery store, when I'm getting ready in the morning, when I'm taking my nephews to go see a movie, just normal, everyday life stuff. Because he wants to communicate with me, not just in a quiet time in the early morning or whenever I have a moment to spare. 
You know, I can easily miss the opportunity to acknowledge his presence by simply saying, hi, wherever I am. God still uses prophets like Isaiah, but he does not have to. What Jesus did on the cross created access for the Father to relay messages and communicate directly to us through the person of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, in us. We have open lines of communication. It's amazing. Just like a parent or a spouse or a good friend, God wants to have everyday, two-way conversations with us. In prayer, a great place to start is to simply acknowledge God's Spirit with you, wherever you are, whatever you are doing. Like Isaiah, we also need to be quiet enough to listen, to learn the sound of his voice, to let him steer the conversation. John 10 says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So Jesus is saying that the sheep, that's us, learn the sound of the shepherd's voice so they know where to go, so they don't get stuck, so they don't get trapped in some kind of dangerous situation. And Jesus, our good shepherd, wants to help us. He wants to direct us, guide us. But in order for us to hear him, we need to be quiet. It's very hard to hear when we're talking. Pete Gregg, the co-founder of the 24-7 prayer movement from the UK, says, the best way to start praying, therefore, is actually to stop praying, <laughs> to pause, to be still, to put down your prayer list and surrender your personal agenda to stop talking at God long enough to focus on the wonder of who he actually is, to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rather than using prayer as a one-way conversation, what if we stopped and we just took a moment to listen first? What might he want to share with you? The creator of the heavens and the earth wants to talk to you. Are you paying attention? My hope and my prayer is that everyone from the youngest to the oldest person listening believes that God wants to speak to you, that he loves you, he is for you, he likes to be around you, he has things for you to do and to say and to hear and that he longs to communicate every single day. If this happened, how might your life change? Would you maybe feel or think or act any differently? Would the lives of those around you be affected? Even Jesus had to rely on this everyday conversation with God the Father. He only did what he saw the Father doing. So they had to stay really close. Jesus' ministry was done from this place of connection and intimacy with the Father. 
It's why he so often went off alone to pray. He was listening. He was paying attention. He was responding to what God was already doing around him. We see in the pages of Genesis to Revelation that God is speaking. And if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we can rest assured that he still wants to communicate to you and I now. And he speaks in a myriad of ways that I really wish we had the time to get into today. Uh, My friend, Pastor Wendy, does a beautiful job teaching on this and giving you opportunity to hear from God in the Hearing God class. The truth is that you may not hear an audible voice, but maybe you will. God speaks through scripture. He speaks through nature, impressions, other people, so many things. My personal favorite right now is when he just gives me a sense of peace that I know is from him. Lately, so, so many of my prayers are really just a lot of silence between God and I. You know when you go on a road trip with family or friends and you've listened to all the songs and you've eaten all the snacks, and there comes to this point when you're driving along and you kind of just get in your way, you're getting to the destination where things go quiet and you're just with each other. We can get so comfortable with God that we don't even have to say anything. There's just an ease to being in his presence. This is what he longs for, for us to get to a place where we can acknowledge his presence at any time of the day and simply be, just positioning ourselves in a place where he can share what's on his heart and his mind before we ever say a word. I think that's a beautiful invitation from our God. If this is all new to you and you want to grow in listening and hearing from God, I highly encourage you to take the class that Pastor Grant mentioned, Going Deeper in Prayer. Um, Pastor Julie's going to be teaching that. And if you see the Hearing God class come up at some point in the future, definitely join that as well. You can get more details on info.ctk.church. So the first observation we see is that Isaiah had to be present and listening in order to see the vision and hear the message that God had for him. And this is God's invitation for us as well. The second point is that we see that Isaiah reacts in a human way, very aware of his sin. Much the same way I think we would all react in that moment. Isaiah says, woe to me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. So Isaiah is filled with just sorrow and despair, some desperation probably, aware of his sin. He's certainly thinking he's going to be destroyed in the presence of such power and glory. Now I know I just said that God wants everyday conversations with us, but Isaiah's interaction doesn't seem very everyday, does it? He's seeing burning angels, God seated on his throne, and doorposts are shaking. I don't know about you, but I don't see that every day. But there's something in this story 
that I just love because Isaiah, again, this great prophet that's used by God, is super aware of his humanity. He is aware of God's holiness and his sin in comparison. And I think it's here that we see ourselves. I think one of the main reasons why praying and just getting closer to God in general is difficult is that we just feel inadequate. We feel like we shouldn't be around him. We should keep our sin hidden and tucked away. We believe we can't be used by him if this stuff over here is happening. We think it's probably too much for him anyway, and I'm not sure how he's going to react if he really knew. Friends, I hate to break it to you this morning, but he already knows. He knows every single thing about you. And he calls you beloved and redeemed. And it is from this place of love and the atoning work of Jesus that he takes the sin, the messes we make, the bad decisions, the things we want to keep hidden, and he redeems us and he calls us to something greater, to his way of living, to his righteousness. The heart of our good father, our good and loving God, is to remove the sin from our lives so that we can become more like him. So we can live in accordance with God's will and his character to enjoy the goodness and fruit of a life lived close to him. When we align ourselves with God and his plan for our lives, we are living in a way that pleases him and brings him so much glory. We can be free from the stuff that entangles us and keeps us from giving and receiving love, from serving him, from being used in amazing ways. So the more we're up front with it, the better. And I know this is a tough one because it's easy to disqualify yourself and let shame rule. So we don't know exactly what Isaiah's sin was, but he uses the term unclean lips. And I wonder if he was gossiping, slandering, or lying. We just don't know. And while we certainly do these things with others, we can easily do them to ourselves too, right? We can take ourselves out of the running because we feel unworthy. In my experience, we are the most critical of ourselves. So let's take a look at how quickly and beautifully God responds to Isaiah's confession. It's not a lengthy speech. He doesn't say, you really should have. I wish you would have. I hope this is the last time, Isaiah, before he offers him forgiveness. The Lord's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love response is, it's done. It's forgiven. Your guilt is removed. And he quickly follows it up with, who's in? Who can I send? And Isaiah responds, pick me. So we see that when Isaiah sees God, he reacts in a human way. Aware of his sin, but God frees him, and he is able to respond to God's request with a willing yes. And that brings us to the third and final observation. Isaiah doesn't know what he is saying yes to before he answers God. If you think about that for a second, how often do we do that? 
not very often. You know, most of my here am I, send me's come with a caveat, an if, an and, or a but. Here am I, send me if this is how things are done and I have control over what's going to happen. Here am I, send me, and there's a time limit. Here am I, send me, but not there, please God, not there doing that. I don't think I have what it takes. Has anyone else done this? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Jonah. So Pastor Grant introduced this prayer bench um, last week, so I'm going to head this way. So often, we can let the things that make us feel unworthy and disqualified keep us from saying yes to God. When I was preparing this message over these last few weeks, I felt completely inadequate. Some lies had gotten stuck in my head and my heart that said, who are you to preach? Who are you to talk about prayer? You're just learning with the rest of them. What do you have to say? What do you have to give? I felt completely inadequate. Earlier this week, I had a meeting with a few of your beloved pastors, and they asked me how could they pray for me in preparation for this message, for this time together. And it was a gentle nudge from the Lord in that moment. He said, it's okay, you can be honest with them. And it all just kind of came tumbling out that I just didn't feel good enough. And they prayed for me, and they blessed me. And it was in that moment, through these people, that God spoke. And what he said was, you can. You are called. You are anointed. You have a voice, and I need you to use it, Carrie. So my simple prayer from this worn-in bench today is, Holy Spirit, I am listening. Here am I. Send me. Thank you. I think Isaiah's response to the Lord is very inspiring. If you read the rest of Isaiah, you'll see that he is tasked with a very tough job, but God is with him. And this helps me. I don't need to get all the details up front. I don't need to know what's going to happen exactly or even what it's going to cost me. I just need to be willing. God can do a lot with a willing heart. He will take all of the amazing ways that he has created you and he will use them for his purposes. He'll use you to bring his kingdom to earth, his justice, his peace, his love, and his mercy. He just needs a response. 
And many of you have just said, here am I, send me to serving at Go Camp or with CTK Kids. And you might be thinking, I'm not even sure I like kids. <laughs> it's honest. But there's a need. And I want to tell you, friends, that that is a beautiful response to a clear message. So thank you. If you haven't had a chance to sign up for one of those things, I encourage you to do so. It might be a place to offer a humble send me. God is always sending us messages of love, of invitation, of kindness, warning, encouragement, direction, truth, and hope. The invitation before us today is to listen, to bring our full selves before him and say, here am I, send me, even if it's a little bit awkward and timid. The invitation is to receive and to respond to the message, trusting in a loving, gracious, and holy God. Let's pray. Lord, we have so much to be grateful for. The truth of your word, the presence of your spirit, the ways that you guide us and lead us. And Lord, my prayer today is that we would just be in tune, that we would be a little bit more aware, that we would be a little bit more willing to follow you, that we would be able to be honest with the things that we're struggling with, our sin, and trust you to take that and set us free. God, we thank you for who you are, your kindness, your love, your grace. God, help us to listen to you. Help us to follow you. Show us what it looks like to be near to you and have that intimacy that Jesus had with you. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your name.